Heavenly Father God, we just come before you boldly this morning. I thank you for the word that you have spoken into my heart. God, I ask you right now that you just deliver it from my lips. God, let me speak directly from your throne. Let me speak from your word. And Father, let me deliver the word that you have delivered into my heart. God, I ask you right now that Holy Spirit, you have your way, you have your will. I ask you right now, Father God, to touch the hearts and the minds of your people to receive directly from you today. I thank you, Father, as I obey your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so back to the scripture text. I got a little excited at first. The scripture text comes from 1 Samuel chapter 21. David went to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled, trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech, the priest, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission I'm sending you on. As for my men, I've told them to meet me at a certain place. Now, what you do, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as usual, whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day that it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Eli is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. You want it? Take it. There is no sword here but that one. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. <laughs> Guys, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, we find David is on the run from King Saul. Let's go back a little bit into earlier chapters of Samuel. Guys, bear with me. I see it, y'all, a lot of scripture. So some of it I'm going to read from and some of it I'm going to reference, okay? <laughs> so David was a young boy. When he was tending his father's sheep, he was out in the fields in the wilderness tending the sheep. When Samuel came to Jesse's house and said, the Lord has sent me here to anoint one of your sons as king. So he looked at all the people present and Samuel said, no, it's not any of these. So he calls forth for Jesse, Jesse calls forth for David, who was out in the field. He was young. He was probably 10 to 15 years old, guys. David was appointed and anointed at that age. Saul 
saw him. Saul knew him. Saul was struggling. It said when Samuel sent for was sent to go anoint David, the Lord had already told Samuel that the favor of the Lord had departed from Saul. Now, again, David is in no way ready to be king, but he was anointed and appointed at that young age. And the word tells us in 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 16, that he was anointed, appointed, and the power and the presence of the Lord was upon him. So he continued to do his father's work, his father Jesse. He continued to shepherd his sheep. He stayed in the wilderness and he stayed in the fields. And he killed the lion and the bear with his bare hands because the Lord had given him power and strength. So then we come to a point further along in Samuel that Jesse calls David and he says, Hey, David, come here, son. I want you to go and take this bread and this cheese to your brothers. They're out on the battlefield. And I want you to come back with a report. I want you to tell me how they're doing. So David went. He went out to the field. He saw the giant standing before him. He heard the beckoning. He heard the taunting. He heard the bullying of the, of the giant. And David was like, what's going on here? Why haven't y'all killed this Philistine? And the men were like, don't you see him? Don't you hear him? Don't you know that he, that he says he's going to take our heads off? He's going to kill us. And David was like, but he's the enemy, and we come in the power of the Lord. And he was murmuring this to the men around. And David's brothers were there, and they were like, shut up, David. What is wrong with you? Just be quiet. You're going to get us killed. And David is like, well, I, you're not going to listen. He talks to these other men. He's like, but this is the Philistine. He is the enemy. You guys are appointed by the Lord. Why don't you kill this Philistine? And the men are like, can you not see him and hear him? And David is like, I'll kill this Philistine. And so word, you know how people talk, right? People talk. So word starts traveling through the village, through the troops. And King Saul gets word that there is a person. Because Saul was like, who's going to kill this mighty man? Like, you know, Saul's the king. It's making him look bad that an enemy has got his men hemmed up, stood up, standing, scared, shaking in their boots. So he hears that there's someone willing. And Saul says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. So David goes before Saul. And Saul's like, you're going to kill this giant. And he's like, oh, okay. Let's see what you got. You know, I'm desperate here. I'm kind of looking bad. That giant's taunting us, and I'm scared, and all my men are scared. Here, let me give you my armor. Let me give you something to put on. And David, in that moment, knew exactly who he was. He knew that he was coming in the power and the authority of the holy God. And he says, no, no, I'm not putting that on. 
I'm going to walk in true identity. I'm going to be who God called me to be. And I'm going to slay this Philistine with my bare hands. He happened on this journey there, carrying the bread and the cheese and the stuff to his brothers. He happened to pick up some stones on the way. You know, he's just a kid. He's just a kid. But David, in the power and the authority of God, slayed that giant. So go with me now. We find David is on the run from King Saul. This is after the giant, after the lion, after the bear. Saul has become jealous of David. He's become jealous of his popularity and success. And David is seeking refuge. David arrives at the town of Nob. Guys, Nob is the high place. It's where the priests were. It's where the tabernacle of the Lord rests. So David went to the tabernacle. He's on the run. He's scared. This is where I'm going to point out. I'm uncovering some things that caused the decline of David. Nobody wants to talk about that part. We skip over that easily in the scriptures because there's so much victory to discuss. But the Lord has shown me about deliverance and strongholds that we have. And the only way to overcome strongholds and deliverance and be delivered is to understand what gives them access to us. So there's some three key points in this scripture. Guys, we can't just be a church that's here for deliverance, right? We can't just keep having lineup after lineup and casting out and pushing out and sending out. We've got to get to the root of it. It's time to equip the people instead of deliver a people. Let me give you the tools to walk in freedom. So, David goes to the church, goes to the temple, goes where the Lord is. How many of us find ourselves like David in a circumstance? We're scared. We're betrayed. We're afraid. We've been rejected. We've been denied. We've been, you know, the, the enemy who we served. We served Saul. David served him. He played the lyre and the harp for him. He sang for him. He then killed the Philistine giant for him. Then he slayed thousands of men for Saul. David served King Saul. But David is now walking in rejection. He's walking in betrayal. He's walking in pain. He's walking in fear. But he goes to the place that he knows to go to. How many of us find ourselves coming to the temple of the Lord, walking in fear, walking in betrayal, walking in rejection? But guys, we find ourselves just like David, as I'm going to reveal here. David wanted God's provision. He didn't want God's direction. He went to the temple of the Lord and he asked for the things of the house instead of the man of the house. He took his problems to the chief priest and he said, give me something. I'm here on a secret mission of the king. David walked out of true identity and he walked into deception. He lied. He flat out lied to the man of God. He said, I'm here on a mission of the king. It's a secret. I have my men. They're just not with me. I sent them on. David was completely alone. He didn't have any men with him. He was lying. What gave the stronghold the authority to root into David's life? Deception. Lying. Not walking in true identity. 
when David went before the giant, he said, I come in the name of the Lord. When he comes to the house, he says, I come on a secret mission of King Saul. You see a complete turnaround where David, God, a man after God's own heart, turned and walked out of anointing and obedience and walked in fear, betrayal, and rejection. And how many of us do it? So the first mistake of David was deception. He lied. He sinned. He gave the enemy access to stop him. This is before he went into the cave, which said that had 400 men just like him. 400 distressed, depressed, angry, and in debt men. Do you know how hard it is to pull yourself out of a stronghold when you're alone? And you're surrounded by 400 godly men? Imagine what David is going through now is surrounded by 400 men who are just as low and disgusted and busted as he is. David's arrival to the temple raises suspicion. Ahimelech questions him like, where are your men? Why are you here without your men? And David responds, you know, he lies. We've already discussed that. He says, I came on a secret mission to the king. I sent him ahead. But give me some bread for them. Guys, David ran out of his true identity, anointed, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and he ran into the place where God was. He then asked for bread. Fear and betrayal and hurt took David out of character. And he walked plain, upright, and deception. David, he spoke plainly. And if we just blow by the scriptures, we miss the fact that David was already anointed by Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 12. So he sent for him. This is 1 Samuel chapter 16. He sent for him. This is where Samuel sent for David. He was going with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. That is David's true identity. Not this David that's walking in deception. Not this David who's lying. In 1 Samuel chapter 17... We see how and why David was walking in victory with the showdown between David and Goliath. I've already kind of laid that out for us. Saul replied in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this, against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. 
Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Do you hear that? The enemy of David in chapter earlier said, go and the Lord be with you. David was anointed, he was appointed, and he knew that the Lord was with him. He professed that and he, he killed the giant. The physical giant of man that was standing before David was much easier to take down than the giant in David's mind. When we're talking about fear, betrayal, and rejection, that is a giant that lives within us. And a physical giant that's eight feet tall is sometimes so much easier to slay than the giant we have that's in our own mind and our heart. That's whispering everything that rises up against the knowledge and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to take thoughts captive, guys. Every thought that rises against the knowledge and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to take it captive. David is showing us here clearly what allowed the strongholds to grip him and keep him in a cave for 10 to 12 years. Guys, this wasn't a three-day trip, a camping trip. When he, after he left the temple, he went to the cave of Adullam. He spent 10 to 12 years hiding, surrounded by men who were just like him, down and lowly. Ooh, hallelujah. In that chapter where I'm talking about David slaying the giant, he was walking in his truly God-given identity. It's so easy for us to allow circumstances and situations to convince us that we're not who God says we are. About six years ago, circumstances happened in our life. And I found myself exactly where David was. Rejected. Betrayed. Lied on. Locked up. In a place that I couldn't even feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There was such turbulence in that season that I can remember sitting on a cold metal beach thinking, God, why have you brought me here? What am I supposed to do with this? And the turbulence is so loud. The enemy, I'm surrounded by the enemy. I'm surrounded by sin. I'm surrounded by people full of sin. And there's such turbulence and strongholds in this place that I can't feel the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I keep crying out to God. God, why have you brought me here? I can't feel you. If you must bring me here, I need you to be here with me. And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit will bust through that turbulence with blast. It would be brief moments in that situation. But I'm going to tell you honestly, the weeks that followed this incident, I lost my true identity. I described it to Apostle Kyle as I was carrying around a ceramic vessel and I dropped it and it broke into a million pieces. I could see it bouncing around all around me. And I was like, God, 
what do I do with it? How do I put it back together? What am I going to do? And all the people around me were going somewhere. They were going somewhere in this vision. And they were moving, almost like at Six Flags or Carowinds, you know, when a crowd begins to move. These people were moving, and they were going, come on. Come on, we got to go. And here I am looking at all the, the mess of the identity that was broken. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to gather it up and just carry the pieces with me, or do I just go? And the Holy Spirit told me to go. I went. I'm sharing a brief moment with you that I understand David's dilemma. I understand how he felt. He knew God. He knew who he was. He knew what God would accomplish by using him. But he lost himself. Because someone that he loved, someone that he served, has now turned on him for doing what would please the king. He was doing the king's work. But Saul now is jealous and envious and mad at David because David is doing what Saul needed him to do. But Saul's like, hey, it's taking attention off of me. I'm the king. So I'm going to kill this man. So, David knew where he needed to go, so he went to the tabernacle, and he asked, he told him a lie, deception. What did David ask for when he got there? He asked for bread. Let's go to Leviticus in our mind and think, bread is symbolic. It's mentioned over 432 times in the scripture. 492 times in the Bible from Genesis through Revelation and throughout it has a variety of meanings and symbolisms bread means provision John chapter 6 verse 35 says then Jesus declared I am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never grow hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty God showed and used bread in that temple to remind David of provision The sacrifice. Bread also symbolizes sacrifice. The Old Testament, bread was sacrificed to God. This is talking about the showbread that was made. It was a special recipe that only the priest could do. In the Old Testament, it was a representative of sacrifice. In the New Testament, it is what we see, the sacrifice of God. Jesus was sacrificed. He talks about it in Matthew. 26 verse 6 while they were eating Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body we see that the bread represented the sacrifice of salvation through Jesus Christ and then thirdly we can see God is reminding us that bread is representative of the word of God Deuteronomy 8 and 3 says he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but of every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart. He walked out of righteous identity, and he walked into deception to take that what was already given to him from God. 
But he substituted that bread, the bread of life, for the show bread that's only consecrated for God, then the priest. The second thing that David did wrong, let's talk about what David did wrong, was he took the bread, the bread that did not belong to him. He sent David, David's steps were ordered by the Lord, he sent David to the tabernacle where the presence of God dwelt. But David never once considered going to the Father to seek direction because Saul was going to kill him. Instead, he decided to take what was there for the priest. Give me that bread. That's wrong, guys. That's where David messed up. Step two. Next, David also asked Elimelech, are there any weapons available? And the priest offered him the sword of Goliath which had been stored at the tabernacle since David's victory over the Philistine giant. David gratefully accepts the sword, recognizing the historical significance and the potential as a powerful weapon. Guys, David left his sword at home. David's sword was constructed and crafted specifically for him. Goliath's sword was crafted specifically for an eight-foot giant. Guys, David's sword would have weighed two and a half to three and a half pounds, where Goliath's sword weighed 15 pounds. How often do we go to a place and pick up the weapon of our enemy to carry into our next season when that weapon was not designed for us? As I looked for it, all I could find was that this reference was a reminder of David's victory. But the Holy Spirit pointed out to me that this is a reminder of David's mistake. Anytime we take the weapon of our enemy to use in a season of our life in the present, we are walking out of identity. We are not who God called us to be. We cannot wield the sword of our enemy and walk in victory. This is the third thing that David did that helped him find himself in the stronghold that held him for 10 to 12 years. Here is David now walking in false identity, substituting the bread of life for the bread of a temporary substance of food that was never intended for David's consumption. He was eating a foreign bread, carrying a foreign sword in a foreign land, all birthed out of Saul's envy and pride. The evil spirit that tortured Saul was loosed on David due to David's sin. David is carrying around the weight of his enemy's sword. The enemy was not inflicting this type of punishment on David. This is the key. David was doing this to himself. We walk around so many times Blaming the enemy for everything that goes wrong in our life. We find ourselves in the temple of the Holy Spirit seeking things from God, but not God himself. We want God's provision instead of God's direction. Jesus. David did not rely on what God gave him. God had given him success to this point in his life. He allowed the strongholds of fear and anguish and betrayal and rejection to cause him to sin, walk in deception, and take what did not belong to him and carry in the weapon of his enemy. Later we find that the sword is one of the ways that David was found. 
Guys, go with me. We're going to talk about Doeg, the Edomite. Doeg was in the temple. The word says in um, 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 7, that now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. Saul, go with me to chapter 22. It says in verse 9, But Doeg the Edomite, who was standing with Saul's officials, said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, the son of Atudub of Nob. Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him, and he gave him provisions and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, the son of Atub, and all the men of his family who were the priests at Nob. And they all came to the king. And Saul said, Listen now, son of Atub. Yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me? Why have you and the son of Jesse given him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me and he, as he does today? Ahimelech answered the king, Who of all your servants is loyal as David? The king's son-in-law, the captain of your bodyguard, the highly respected in your household. Was that the day of the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing about this whole affair. But the king said, You will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your whole family. The king ordered the guards at his side to turn and to kill the priests of the Lord, because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet did not tell me. But the Lord's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priest of the Lord. Guys, do you see what's happening here? Saul got wind of David going to the tabernacle, talking to the chief priest and asking for bread and a sword. He went under deception, demise, and Saul got wind of it. Doeg, who was also at the temple, was a servant of King Saul. He was not nice. I don't want to teach this, but the Holy Spirit says I have to. Not every person on a pew beside you is sent here on a good assignment. The word says that Doeg was detained by the Lord. He was there. He was in the temple. He was in the presence. But guys, he didn't have a good agenda. He wasn't sent there for good things. The king's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priest. The king then ordered Doeg, you turn and strike down the priest. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who were in the line of Ephod, who wore the women of Ephod. He also put to the sword of Nob the town of the priest, with its men and women, its children, its infants, its cattle, its donkey, and its sheep. But the son of Ahimelech, the son of Atu, named Abathar, escaped and fled to join David. 
And he told David all that Saul had done, that he had killed the priest of the Lord. And then David said to Abathar, that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would surely tell Saul, I'm responsible for the death of your whole family. Guys, we don't want to talk about what happens when we walk out of identity. Nobody wants to hear that there are severe consequences when we step outside of who God says we are. When we step outside of what God says we are. When we step outside of the anointing of the Holy God and we walk into deception. We take things that don't belong to us and we use the sword of our enemy. Guys, the priest, 85 priests were murdered that day. Doeg the Edomite then went into the city of Nob and he killed women and children and cattle and livestock. Guys, there's consequences to sin. There's consequences when we allow strongholds to hold us captive and we come out of true identity with who God has created us to be. A whole generation was affected. And guys, if you want to get real, it goes all the way back to what we're facing today. Doeg was trying to, to destroy the religion of Israel. He killed all of the priests. Again, not everybody who's on your pew is for you. But until you are with God and walking in the presence of God and anointed by the Holy Spirit, do you have the discernment that's able to differentiate? And love conquers all things. One son was able to escape the massacre and flees to David. Overall, 1 Samuel chapter 21 serves as a reminder of the complexities of human nature and consequences of deceit and the devastating impacts that one person's actions can have on the lives of others. David was restored. There's redemption in this story. I can't just tell you or give you the keys, but I need you to understand that the things that gave right to the strongholds to hold David captive were sin, deceit, taking things that didn't belong to him and welding the sword of his enemy. There's victory here. David was restored. David wrote the Psalms. It says that after this point, when he received the word that the priest had been killed, he retreated to the cave of Adullam. David wrote Psalms while he was in the cave of Adullam. Psalms 142, verses 5 through 7. This is how it's turned around. This is how it's rectified. This is how it's corrected. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge. My portion in the land of the living, give heed to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring my soul out of this prison so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. I just turned myself off. David retreated to the cave of Adullam. Apostle Kyle preached a strong word about the cave of Adullam. It's also known as a place of justice. A place of justice where David sat 
in, day in, and day out for years. This wasn't, again, a camping trip that David was going to hang out in the caves. I went on a, again, my noodles all touched, so I went on a, a trek, and I started looking up the cave of the Dunham. Guys, the size of this cave was enormous. It had tunnels, and it had crevices, it had places of hiding, but it had paths to come in on one side and go out on another. So they were hiding out in this cave for years and years, not just a minute, but years. But in this place where justice is served, David finds repentance. As I was awakened this morning at 3.48 a.m., the Holy Father, I, I keep asking him, why? Why this word, Lord? Why this word? And the Lord kept reminding me this morning, it's about repentance. David had to repent. He had to renounce. He had to come back into agreement with who God said he was. And he scripted several psalms from this position. So I'm not just telling you a woe is me service sermon today. I'm telling you that, guys, when we allow sin and deception to come into our lives and get us off the path and take us out of identity and who God says that we are, we give root to strongholds that can hold us captive in a cave in a dark spot surrounded by 400 people who are just like you, sad, heavy-hearted, downtrodden, depressed, in debt, and in deep distress. So imagine how hard it was for David to get to a point of freedom in that place. How hard was it being surrounded by 400 voices that would tell him, woe is me, woe is us, this is a bad place, it's dark in here, it's damp in here, it's cold in here, we're hiding, we have to keep hiding, Saul's going to kill us. But the Spirit of the Lord is faithful and true to come into any place, no matter how deep, no matter how dark, no matter how deceptive, no matter how distraught, and remind us. And in his words and songs, I cried out to you, O Lord. You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Give heed to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring my soul out of this prison so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Then Psalms 57 was written. I don't have that reference. Can you guys pull that for me? Psalms chapter 57. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to you, God, most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among the ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp as swords. Be exalted, O God, above all the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. 
They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress, and they dug a pit in my path. But they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of your among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. David wrote these songs from the cave of Adon, surrounded by 400 desperate men. Psalm, uh, Samuel chapter 22 goes on to say that David became the captain of these men. Guys, he wasn't a captain to anybody in these 10 to 12 years when they were in dis- depression and, and distress. It wasn't until he rectified himself with the Father. He got back to the fellowship with the Father before he could lead anybody. Then he led them out of that cave. David repented. David fellowshiped with God. And David sang praises. David was restored. He was equipped and empowered and led those who had surrounded him. They got to witness David restored to God. First, he had to repent. Then he had to renounce the overwhelming feelings created by his enemies that were deep within him. David gave thanks and praised God. And David returned to his true identity, only found with fellowship with God. Guys, I'm telling you that strongholds can grip us. Our musicians can come. Strongholds can grab hold of us. We all face rejection, betrayal, disappointment, hurt. And we all make a choice of whether we stand in true identity, despite what our circumstances dictate to us, and follow who God says that we are, his beloved, and whom he's well pleased. But God's word gives us redemption. Even when we mess up, like David messed up, he was still known as a man after God's own heart. God's love superseded any mistake, any sin, any deception. And David was restored. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter what you see in your circumstances today, if you have been blinded by the strongholds that have surrounded you, let David's life be an example that it's truly fellowship with the Father that can redeem you from the circumstances that you find yourself in. God calls you his beloved, and he's calling you into intimate fellowship with him. What God has called Dominion Church to is not about a place, but it's about a people. And God cares so much about his people that he wants us to have the tools that we need to walk in victory and true identity every moment. Our gracious Heavenly Father, God, we come before you. We ask you, Father, that you would open our minds and open our hearts. God, that your word would be delivered into us and that we would hear your voice calling us back to you. 
Father, if there's anyone here with the sound of my voice that is battling with circumstances, depression, anxiety, fear, betrayal, rejection, Father, I ask you right now that you equip them. Father, that you summons them, that you bring them forth. Father, to come back into communion with you. To lay it here at you. God, all you wanted from David when you sent him to the tabernacle was for him to fellowship with you. All you longed for was for him to seek you and to get direction from you. You showed us time and time again in your word that that's exactly all we have to do is to seek you, Father. And you would show up and you would give us direction and lead us to victory. God, I ask you right now, those who have found themselves in the circumstances of deception, of betrayal and rejection, that you free them right now in the mighty name of Jesus, that you open up a pathway for them to find you right here, right now, in Jesus' name.